Hello again, podcast listeners, to another episode of a Systemic Trauma and How It Impacts the Health and Well-Being of Black Women. I'm the host, Simone, and I'm so thrilled and honored to be speaking with my guest today, Adiola. Our conversations will be around systemic racism within corporate America. In our last episode, my guest Ayana discussed white privilege, specifically white women's privilege. Today, Adiola will also be sharing how she had to navigate race and gender in the workplace, what she had to do to reclaim her identity and honor herself as a Black woman. It's a known fact that Black women are the least valued and most disrespected people in society. We often lose ourselves taking care of everyone else and live our lives trying to fit the ideal role so that white America feels comfortable with us. And so, Adiola, I am so thrilled that you're here to speak your truth. Welcome. Thank you, Simone. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I'm so excited um, to be on this uh, podcast with you. I think you are doing amazing work, like like I, you know, like we've spoken about privately. Um, I think the work that you're doing, um, airing out these issues about uh, trauma to Black bodies, especially Black female bodies, I think is long overdue. And yes. I am so honored and feel very privileged that you are holding the space for me to have this conversation with you. Yes, yes. Same here. I'm doing the snaps right now. <laughs> That's so dope. So yes, uh, begin wherever you want to begin. This is your opportunity to share and, and help us understand and help us, uh, you know, just relate, because I'm sure all of us is going to relate Black women, as well as provide, um, you know, healing techniques for us. And so I appreciate you. So go ahead. Okay. Um, well, a little bit about me. Um, at this moment in time, I'm calling myself a recovering workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm calling myself a uh, a recovering um, sort of somebody who was deeply not self-loving and self-caring. Yes. Um, and I really was uh, participating uh, unwittingly in my own um, just sort of abuse, <laughs> to be quite honest. Yeah. So I have, you know, worked in corporate retail for a very, very long time. I mean, over 20 years. And um, with varying degrees of uh, progression throughout my career. um, And as a Black immigrant woman, I was born in England, um, but my parents and my lineage is Nigerian of Yoruba extraction. was definitely always told to work hard, um, keep my head down, um, sort of work, 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 and you know the fruit of your labor is success, success, yes. material success. That is, you know, of course. So you know, always taught to um, pray hard, work hard, and everything will work out. <laughs> You'll, you'll live in the great neighborhood. You'll drive the fancy car. You'll the American dream. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. <laughs> like all of the things will come to you. 
Um, so I, I did all of that. I, I did all of the things. I, I moved for work. I um, worked 60-hour weeks when everybody else was working 40-hour weeks. Um, and I was, I, was, I was materially rewarded for all of my efforts. What I didn't realize was happening until, you know, the last couple of years was that I was sacrificing everything for work. I would go on vacation and be working. I would um, take a day off and I'd be working. I would go get my car inspected for half an hour and I would be fielding emails and working. Work became the center of my universe. And it wasn't just the work, because I think I deluded myself into thinking that my good works will yield good results. My good works will yield good relationships. My good works will yield um, good self-worth. And all of these good deeds and good works that I was doing was going to be regarded as a reflection of my worth. I think that is what began to happen very slowly and very insidiously. And what I didn't pay much attention to was the erosion of my physical, mental, and most importantly, my spiritual health. Yes, there it is. I, That's I, it, exactly. Yeah, I, all of that just went by the wayside. I um, didn't recognize that I was becoming the first and the only in many situations. I was the first Black person in the room. I was the only Black person in the room. I was the first Black woman in the room. I was the only black woman in the room. So when you start kind of waking up because your body is sending you signals and it was around 2017 that my body started sending me some major signals and was constantly sort of lethargic. It was becoming harder to get up in the morning to go to work. Um, before I even got out of bed, I had already sort of run through um, 15 potential interactions that I was going to have and how was I going to deal with them. All of those things start becoming like toxic bricks that are building around you into a wall. So for mm -hmm. me first, it was definitely my body. Yes. Started getting very sick. Um, and I eventually had a, a medical emergency in the spring of 2017. And so go ahead. What's, what's funny about that? I was going to ask you, how was that playing out, um, you know, health-wise, right? Yeah. So your body's not functioning right. But then what are the things that were happening that you, you know, that felt uncomfortable that was making you more than just yeah. like, oh, I feel lethargic. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Deeper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like the first thing for me, I, you know, I don't know whether it's because I am, um, I'm a deeply empathetic person and, um, yeah, so I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk a lot about sort of like infuse a lot of what I'm saying with a lot of, um, you know, things that some people might consider very woo woo, but I'm just talking from a spiritual standpoint um, go ahead. Girl. So, <laughs> I'm all about the woo woo. <laughs> so for me, because it's real. Yeah, exactly. So for me, real. I'm a deep believer in um, in 
you know, energies and, you know, yes. that, you know, we are, what we see is, is physical, what it's, what we see and what other people can see that is tangible is physical, but then there's yes. metaphysical and there's spiritual. There are other planes. There are multiple planes and multiple dimensions in my opinion and in my belief system. Um, so for me, um, what was physically manifesting was what had already started spiritually happening. So physically speaking, um, I think because I'm a deeply empathetic person, um, a lot of my dis-ease starts in my gut, starts in my stomach. Yes. So yes. for me, I, my digestion was a, was, was a mess. I, I couldn't really enjoy food. I love food. I love it, love it, love it. And I would eat <laughs> and I would be bloated. I would be ill. Um, I, I couldn't keep down my food. Um, and again, when I look back now, it's like, to me, it's like, this is all met, this is all metaphorical, spiritual awakening. You know, my body was literally rejecting nourishment. <laughs> I, I literally could not keep down my food. So the first one was really like, my stomach was a mess. Um, so in response to my stomach being a mess, I then go on this journey of, I go see, um, uh, I go get, uh, whatchamacallit, colonics. I go do this. I, I start, you know, trying to treat that issue. Um, never resolve it. Then I stop sleeping. I have always been a fantastic sleeper. Always. Mm. Always. And sleeping has never been an issue for me. I always used to feel so bad for people who have insomnia because I'm like, I could not function if I couldn't go to sleep. Started wow. not being able to sleep. And then lastly, what happened was I developed fibroids or a fibroid, the fibroid from hell, I'll call it. And yes. when this started happening, um, like basically my cycle became super disrupted and I actually had like an emergency at work where I had to leave work. Um, um, I had two emergencies. I had one where I had to leave work and then I had another emergency on the, on the subway where I basically had to like get off the subway because I was, I was having an emergency. I don't want to get too graphic. Um, so no, you can get graphic. Oh, okay. No. So I was, I mean, I, I was hemorrhaging basically like on the subway. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it came as such a shock because like I said, I've always had very, or maybe I didn't say I've always had very regular consistent cycles. I'd never had an issue. So yeah. again, it was basically like, um, if you do a little bit of chakra education, like it was basically like stomach, my, um, my, you know, my womb mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and basically my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, so three of the, of the, what, six chakras were basically completely disrupted. <laughs> Wow. Completely disrupted. And then on top of that, what was also happening was because of the ill health, because of the disease, I was also becoming just less confident in myself. Yes. So I found myself just being more quiet, less vocal, wasn't speaking up as much anymore because a lot of times I was in pain, you know, I was in physical pain. And I think that's a lot, that has a lot to do with um, also, you know, these, you know, these multitude la layers of um, 
violence that black women's bodies are subjected to. Yes. So, and it becomes like sort of like this, you know, this domino effect. So it, it, it became like, you know, I'm not feeling well, so I'm calling out sick more. I'm calling out sick more, so I'm not able to be in the office. I'm not in the office, so I'm not catching certain things that are being said about my performance. Mm. Um, and when I'm coming back into the office, I'm behind because none of my work is being like doled out to anybody to complete. It's just being stood there waiting for me to complete. It's like a setup. Exactly. So yeah. now I can't get ahead because I'm buried in my work. I'm buried in my work. So I'm not sleeping. I'm not, eat, you know, so it's this cycle. <laughs> it's this perpetual cycle. And then eventually it starts fitting into the narrative of, well, you know, Adiola's not coming to work. Adiola's coming to work late. Adiola's always calling out sick. Adiola's da 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 da. So then when it's like you want to take a vacation, then they look at you like, well, why are you taking a vacation? You've been out. I'm like, yeah, I was out because I was sick. <laughs> Wasn't out because I was, you know, you know, eating bonbons. And even when I was out on a sick day, I was working because I was still answering your emails. So I wasn't actually resting. Yes. So that I could heal from what I was sick from. So this became a perpetual cycle. Yes. It was just my body constantly, you know, red flagging, you know, like red light flashing or orange light flashing at that point to say, you need to, this is not working for you. You need to stop. You need to stop. You need to stop. And I didn't listen until I ended up, you know, in the hospital. Um, you know, not to, not to, not to, um, I just want to interject here and tell you sure. how, how funny the story is when it's a white woman <laughs> or a woman, Colombian, I'm speaking of somebody specifically that I worked with, yep. identify as white um, or Caucasian. Yeah, I like the word Caucasian better. <laughs> um, she came to this company um, already ill in a wow. sense that she's had a work issue and she would constantly take time off. She would constantly be out. I'm talking weeks, months. Um, she was always having surgeries, so she'll be gone for a long period of time wow. and her work and whatever she left behind behind was always taken care of and they will yeah. always bring her back. She was always late. They will always talk to her about being late and it would be like, talk to her that day about being late and the next day she'd be late many days after yeah. she'd be late again. Yeah. And it was, I'm talking about three years of this. Yeah. And it was never an issue. She always felt comfortable in her space. So it's just, it's just weird. Like she never came back yeah. feeling like she's being um, targeted. Yeah. At least that's not the pre- how she presented herself. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what's in her heart. Right. Right. But I do know that when she showed up in the office, it was very much, yes, I belong. And yes, I was sick. And yes, I'm taking vacation. Yeah. And it, everybody understood that. Yeah. So. yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's this, you know, because for me, everything, everything, nothing is new under the sun, in my opinion. In my opinion, all of these things are just continuous historical um uh, like historical, a continuation of historical narratives that haven't been disrupted. 
So historically speaking, um, very quickly, Adiola, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just want to make the audience be aware that this podcast has taken um, place in my home because we're quarantined and I have a dog (laughs) and uh, she will be occasionally making Making an appearance. She's now drinking water. So I don't know if you're hearing this. I don't know if it will pick up, but um, she's here and she's my baby. And hey, let's continue. (laughs) That's totally fine. We have yes. three people on this podcast. I love it. Exactly. So, yes, I didn't hear her, but that's that's totally fine. Um, yeah. So I think I think that um, sense that a white presenting uh, Latinx woman can feel very protected and secure in mm-hmm. her in her work role is just a continuation of the historical narrative. The black women are the most unprotected people on planet Earth. Absolutely. You know, there is this sort of um, paradox that black women have to exist in. We have to both be strong, strong, unreasonably strong, like superhuman strong. Yep. <laughs> Somehow. We're supposed to be superhuman strong, yet have no support. Zero. You know, we're supposed to be able to withstand a tremendous amount of pain. Criticism. Criticism. Violence. Because somehow, somewhere, somebody decided that our bodies can take it. Yeah. Right? Yet, we're not allowed to be angry. (laughs) So it's like, okay, so I'm supposed to be, you know, the strongest person. I'm supposed to be able to take all this shit. But I'm not allowed to be upset. But they got that. They got that from slavery. Oh, of course. Right? Like, I mean, of course. Look like, at the what narrative has not changed because we have not yes. literally faced up to these things in order to fix no. them. So that is why I can be, you know, two levels down from the president of my company, a very large Fortune 500 retail company. I can be two levels down from the president. And I still get addressed as if I am not two levels down from the president. Yes. I yes. still have Can to, relate. Exactly. I still have to walk around as if I am overly pleasant. Not even I, I still have to. I, I have to present a demeanor that mm-hmm. is welcoming, non-threatening. I have to modulate my tonality Ooh. when I am speaking. Ooh, yeah. You know, I have to tone police myself and be tone policed. I have to still be asked if my hair can be touched. Hmm. You know, I'm Nigerian, so I'm going to I'm going to intersperse some Nigerian talk here. In my yes. big 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 age, I will be still be asked. Oh, can I touch your hair? In 2018 of the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, (laughs) you know, and it wasn't until, like I said, my physical body started to flash the warning signal that my spiritual body started to wake. Mm, You know, like, and I really, truly believe this. Like, I believe that God, Allah, whatever you believe in, will send you messages because I believe that 
We are divine beings. We are spiritual beings first. And we're just sitting in these, pardon my language, meat sacks. These physical bodies are, are not it. That's, that's, not, that's not the work. The work is on the spirit. Yes. Wow, Adiola. I mean, this exactly is what I'm learning. I and I know you feel this wow. and know this too, deep down inside. But we don't have these conversations because we don't hold space for one another to have these conversations. No. But I'm a big believer that your physical body will have yes. to sort of shed and break so that it can break open for your spiritual body to emerge. Truly believe yes. that. And I truly believe that's the journey that I am on now. So Amen. I really Amen. do. I mean, I really, really do. Because when you start sort of nurturing and caring for that spiritual body, that spiritual child, adolescent, adult, mother, daughter, sister, whatever, on that spiritual level, when you start sort of focusing on that entity, the physical becomes so irrelevant and you really start to see things for what they are. And you really start to see that you're moving in the physical realm within structures that are constructed that can be easily destructed. Okay. They can be demolished. Like We don't have to live with this way. I, I no. do not have to walk in this black body under attack. We don't. We really don't. Like it's, it's, it's not mandatory. We don't have to fit into this toxic, violent um, structures that especially living in, a, in the United States of America as a black immigrant woman, we do not have to live it, live in, in those structures. So, I mean, I'm going on and on, but I think for me, a lot of what I went through with this last role where I was um, were, were necessary for me to go through because I believe the universe had decided that it was time for my spiritual body to wake up. Because I went through a lot. I went through a lot with some of these bitches. Excuse my language. Yeah. I went through <laughs> a, a tremendous amount. Wow. Can you share sure. something specific sure. without naming um, names? I, so I, like, I mean, one of we things, know who you are. Sure. Yeah, so one ahead. of the things um, that was sort of like a running narrative was um it was a luxury retailer so everybody there for the most part was um white polite i like to say um and fit into a very specific aesthetic no fault of their own they can't they can't control how god made them um uh but there was just an air of superiority there. And again, now I know that wherever, whatever space I enter, I need to understand the, the racial makeup. Every space I enter now, I'm very clear about who are the decision makers and what do they look like? Do any of them look like me? And that wasn't, very the, case. Important. And that wasn't the case in this role. And I knew that within five minutes of, of starting there. Like literally within five minutes of starting there, I knew I this was a mistake. And I but I just suppressed my gut um, and went with it. And what was consistently happening almost on a daily basis was my immediate supervisor was 
um, the way that she asserted her uh, power was by setting herself up as sort of like the mommy role for everybody, but mm. also as a mom can do, picking favorites almost on a daily basis. I've experienced mm -hmm. that. Within her team, which is just yes. not the way I roll as a manager. Number one, as a manager, I don't, you know, and I'm very clear about this, and I, this bothered her a lot, because I would say all the time when we'd have our individual touch bases with one another, she's like, you know, well, you know, she's like, well, I believe everyone here is just my family and my friend. And I'm like, I don't. I'm, I, no one here is my family <laughs> or, my, or my friend. <laughs> I, said, I really hate when they yeah, do She that. would, like, challenge. She's like, no, you don't mean that. I'm like, no, no, I do mean that, though. No, you can't mean that. No, I really mean that. I said, because the way I deal with my family and my friends is not the way I deal with people here, because that would be in highly inappropriate. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But I think she signaled that and she would constantly signal that in order to excuse her inappropriate behavior. Yes, because the way that she would address me sometimes, not not often, I, I would check her immediately because a lot of times whenever I enter a new situation, I am very clear about drawing boundaries. So I'm not going to automatically add you all on LinkedIn. I'm not going to become Facebook friends with you or Instagram friends with you. I'm not going to go out for drinks with you. Oh, my gosh. I think we're twins. I, I, I don't have time. <laughs> not time. I literally don't have time. And, you know, at the time and up until very recently, like I was in a long distance marriage. My husband lived in Philly and I lived in New York. So any little time I have, I got to go be with my family, <laughs> you know, yes. so I don't have time to be friends automatically. Once you sort of um, set yourself apart that way, then you label yourself an outsider because I worked in an extremely cliquish environment. Mm. So automatically an othering starts. But one of the things that was extremely, um, sort of violent that would happen a lot is that I was brought in to sort of be the buffer. My team was very large and very sort of unwieldy. And I was brought in to give my immediate supervisor the latitude to sort of work on other areas of her in her purview. So, you know, she had like four areas that sort of reported into her. And I was one of those, I was the head of one of those areas. And a lot of what she would do is she would tell me, okay, I want you to manage your team team needs to go to you blah, blah, blah. and I'm like great that's what I'm here for my it's my team and yes I, they should be coming to me but then she would interject herself in issues that were going on with my team so she would constantly contact my team yes without my knowledge most of the time and then wow. complain that my team was coming to her and I'm like well it sounds like you're going to them not they're coming to you because they're she telling to me something. that you're asking them things that you and I discussed that we're going to so constant undermining, yes. constant questioning of my abilities, constant wow. interfering in my work. And they don't understand how that really messes with your psyche. It when is you... an attempt to take off the little 
the, 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 the legs on the stool that you're standing on. And that stool is your confidence. Yes. Yeah. So they just start first. They, they saw off on one leg of the stool. So the stool becomes rickety. Then they just yank mm. off that leg and then the stool is uneven. So now you're like tiptoeing on the stool. Exactly. So now all your energy is diverted to just sort of staying upright when your energy should be focused on just doing your fucking job. Excuse my French. Mm-hmm. No, because yeah. now you are focused on things that you shouldn't be focused on. And that, as Toni Morrison, RIP, says, is the job of racism to distract you. And that is what mm. they do. That is what they do. You know, they don't show an interest. They want you to be your, their friend, they say, but they don't show an interest in your life. I would. They don't want you to be you. They don't want you to be authentically no, yourself. Not allowed to that, your that, you say you want me to that, be friends. You reason, say you want to be friends. You say you want to go out for drinks. You say you want to blah, 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 blah. You chat, 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 chat at work. You constantly saying inappropriate things that you shouldn't be talking about at work. I know all about your family. I know all about I know mm-hmm. all about your sons. I know all about your daughter. I know all about every single thing you did this past weekend. And you don't know Jack about me. No, you yes, don't know Jack about you, me. Not about myself. It's, you piggyback off the last thing I said, and then you just run with whatever it is you wanted to say. So you don't want to be friends. So you don't want to treat me like family. It's just a facade to lure me in. And whatever they know, and this is just based on my experience, and I know I'm not unique, whatever they do know uh, is used Absolutely. against you, <laughs> right? And then to further destabilize you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the most uncomfortable feeling because, you know, working a nine to five in, in most cases, especially if you're a workaholic, it's your It is your identity. And so you are constantly being abused. 100%. 100%. You know, 100%. because you, you 100 percent, 100 percent, because and especially if you are like, even though I have a partner, I am um, like I said, like we lived in separate places. So, you know, it wasn't like I was coming home to my husband every day. You know what I'm saying? So there's a tendency to just be like, at least for me, because I'm a workaholic anyway. So there was a tendency for me anyway to be like, oh, I'll just stay another hour just to finish this up kind of a thing. And then you look up and it's been two hours. But that's because you don't have to pick up any, you know, you don't have to pick up a kid or you don't, you don't have like a hard, unmovable yes. stop to your day like some of them do. Right. So yes. it just, you, you know, your, 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 your work, the line between your work and the line between your, your, your life become, starts blurring and eroding. And, you know, and that's what capitalism also does. Like this is capitalism that mm-hmm. we're all existing in here. It, it, in. It, yes. it breeds this bleeding over. It breeds yes. this, 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 this um, you start becoming a machine and not human. It, it chips away at one's humanity. Because when you're constantly um, plugged in, literally and figuratively, to the output of your labor, you stop becoming human. You start becoming machine. And it's slow, gradual, 
But when it happens, it's total. It takes over everything. And everything. Absolutely. Everything. And what it did for me is it really subsumed my identity. And the cherry on top was I had a very difficult time separating my performance, whether it was stellar, middling, or poor, from, my, from myself, from who I am. So when I did great at work, I felt I was a great person. When I did poorly mm. at work, I felt that I was a poor person. You know what I'm saying? And, and I do. And the longer, relax. and when I started getting physically ill, and my, my performance naturally suffered because I'm not a bloody machine, I'm a human being. You know, even machines break down. But when I started physically breaking down, which affected my work naturally, there was a double um, hit to my self-esteem. You know, it, mm. it really did a number on me. Like, and I, and I look back I and, I'm, and I'm so, um, you know, I'm so upset with myself. And, that, and when I feel that sense of upsetness with myself is when I know I have to be kind to myself myself yes because I have to realize I did what I had to do in that moment to be here today absolutely that that it's it's just being able to understand that the 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 trauma or the experiences that we we have with with systemic Mm -hmm. racism is another way for us because you know people of color we we've we're so freaking and I think that's why they keep doing it because we are strong do you know what I mean and so but we 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 each time we find ways to be resilient and so and so I think you know with our experience with corporate America uh learning and you know sometimes it ends horribly right but then looking back at that and seeing where we've come from and the things that we needed to do so that we can shed, yeah. as you said, you know, that physicalness, yeah. uh, you know, and improve our yeah. spiritualness, yeah. right? Um, so that we're at a higher plane and knowing, based on this experience, knowing how we want to be treated and accepting nothing yeah. less. Yeah. You no, know? absolutely. A hundred percent. So, I mean, it was, I mean, I can, I can look at it now as, as a gift, but you're right. Like in the moment, cause you told me to describe some, you know, like just some physical manifestations in the moment I was, and it's funny because I entered this last role. Oh, and the last part I want to talk about. So I ended this last role. Um, the, the reason I took the job was because my husband was working in Philly. I was living in, um, in our house that we had in Illinois. So I, I had been in Illinois, he'd been in Illinois, then he got this job in Philly. So the reason I took the job in New York was to be closer to him in Philly. And I'd lived in New York most of my life anyway. So my family was in New York. So it was like, perfect, this is great. I'm coming back home in a sense. And I actually saw my family and my husband less than when I was living and working in Illinois last job 
Wow. Even though I was living in Brooklyn. It was crazy because that's how that's how much I was working. And the other reason I took mm. the job was um, it was going to pay me a lot of money, like a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, I made the most amount of money at this last role um, than I've ever made in my career, you know, like very, 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 very well off. I don't want to be vulgar, but very well off. And, but, <laughs> and I often say this, I'm like, people need to sort of do the math on how much they're actually being paid, especially if they're being paid by salary and divide that by the actual amount of hours you're working, not by the standard 40 hours a week that you're, st- you know, your salary exempted for, but by the actual amount of hours per week. And I would often joke that I was working on minimum not on average, on minimum about 70 hours a week. And I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> so these are not billable hours. <laughs> so, Girl, I can relate. I can relate. You know, so, so I would so, like, you know, don't divide it by the 2,080 um, hours that is 40 hours times 52 weeks. Divide it by the actual amount of hours you're working over the course of a year. And then tell me if you're... Yes. If your salaried per hour wage is still the same. Because even though I was making mid 200,000s, uh, therefore I'll, I'll just say it because you know, let's be open here. Mid 200,000s. Yes. When you divide that by the actual amount of hours I was making, hours I was working, I was certainly not making my actual hourly wage. So it just goes to show that, again, if you tie your worth to the physical things, the physical things will go away. And then what do you have? And that's what I was faced with. That's what I, that's what happened. That's what happened to me. Because all of that has been gone now for many, many years, for three years now, almost three years now, I have not worked. And somehow, by the grace of Jesus and God and all the angels and saints of all the faiths and religions, I am healthier and wealthier now than I was then. Wow. And I can say that with my entire chest. Wonderful. Adiola, so let's let's speak about that. Let's speak about this this, uh, stage in your life, right? Uh, You've come full circle. So let's speak about um yes. that wellness now what it took yes your process and yeah the yes. journey that you're on right now to kind of shine <laughs> yes <laughs> and I also want to say that we may have a part two we'll just see okay. what the timing looks like but um we're good for now so um I'll just kind of cut in if we're going okay. over time and then we'll continue again but yeah, let's speak about that. Yes. Healing so journey. I right. I definitely, like I said, I think my first sort of um, response to the dis-ease that was happening in my body was, again, to seek sort of um, physical remedy, right? So I went to the doctor. I had to take medical leave because I was hospitalized. Um I, you know, I did all of the, the, the doctor stuff, um, and I still felt like shit. 
I started to feel slightly physically better, but there was still such dis-ease in my body, my spirit, and my soul. So I'm not a religious person, but I am a deeply prayerful person. Um, And I have always felt that I was very uh, intuitive. I usually tend to like feel things before they happen. I always get like messages for people. Very, very, I don't know how to describe it other than sometimes I'll get these like super intense urges to just reach out to somebody. And oftentimes when that happens, the person tells me, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that you called. I was, you know, like in a bad spot, like when you just called and so good to talk to, you know, always, that happens to me always. And, and I believe a lot of women, especially, have these abilities. I think this is, you know, call it women's intuition, whatever you want to call it. Like, we all have these powers, I call them. So, uh, because we get life. Right? That's all. So I just started on this journey of wanting to heal spiritually. So um, right after I was laid off, because I was laid off, that was the culmination of my, that was the beginning of my journey was when I was laid off. I was laid off like six months after I came off medical leave too. Hmm, how nice. Um, so yes. I was laid off, which happens a lot in retail. Wow. I mean, it's the first time I've ever been laid off in my life. Um, big hit to my ego, big hit to my ego. So a lot of this journey has been about ego, death, spiritual awakening, in my opinion. So first thing I tried to do was I went, I traveled, I went away. So I went on a almost month long um, European adventure to Spain and then to my brothers in the north of England. So that was very restorative. But then I came back and I was still feeling extremely just ill at ease. Then um, yes. my husband, partner, and I, we moved. Um, so he, he got reassigned to a role here in uh, D.C. And um, we moved to D.C. So first time that we ended up living back together again. So that was also a challenge. Um, but good. So in the early, yes. in early 2019 is when I... Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts and on one of the podcasts, I, um, heard about this breath worker named, I'm going to name check some really amazing people that I hope you can actually talk to on this podcast. Um, this wonderful, uh, person named Miriam Ajayi, and she is a breath worker. Now, um, what sort of just clicked with me about her was the fact that she also has some Nigerian blood. Like her name clicked for me because I knew her name was Nigerian. So I was like, ooh, this is interesting. I'd never heard of breathwork before. I had no idea what the hell it was. But um, on the podcast, she did a little demo of it. And I did it. And I kid you not, it just soothed me. Like I'd always had low-grade anxiety where my body would literally... I start, you know, mildly hyperventilating, especially at work. It was happening a lot at work. I would literally start like mildly hyperventilating. Um, so I was like, something is wrong here. So when I did just this little demo of breath work, 
with Miriam, this via a podcast, I was like, I need to find her. <laughs> I need to find her and I need to work with her because whatever the hell this was, I want it. So I got in contact with her. Yes. Um, she came. She's actually from the DMV area. She came. She happened to be around. She was doing a, uh, a breathwork session at a yoga studio nearby me. I went. I met her. I was the only black person in the room other than her. And that was the other thing. She was a black woman. And when she talked about just her journey to this place, it was like parallel story, which is like everyone, every black woman's story, I feel like is the same story. But same thing. She was working in a very high stress industry. Yes. She was, you know, physically falling ill, doing all the things, all the yogas, all the thing, everything. Stumbled upon breath work changed her life. That session that we did that day was only a short session. Just, um, I don't know how to describe it. I get emotional when I just think about it because it really just, um, it just broke me open, Simone. It just broke me open because it was the first time in probably ever that I had just given myself permission to just be in my body, to just be inside of myself. It was the first time that I'd given myself permission to like just take care of myself versus taking care of my partner, my brother, my sister, my cousin. You know what I mean? It was just the first time that I gave myself space to hold space for myself. Adiola, Adiola, to love you. I, I get it. You know I, what I mean? Wow. You know. Yes, we don't I know. Do I know. <laughs> we don't. We don't. And that's the first, like, Ooh. that's the first step on the never-ending ladder that this, that this life journey is about. Because it doesn't end, right? Like, there's a reason they say yoga is a practice. Because there's no destination. You just keep practicing. You just keep working. And that's the other, I think, fallacy of these systems that we're living in, that there's a goal, that time is the determiner of your success, that there are these Mm, rules that we must follow to get to a destination. All of that is bullshit. All of that is bullshit. I agree. A hundred percent. I agree. It's, it's all about every day you know, we get up journey. and we get to um, make a new day. That's it. That's it. That's yes. all we get to do. Yes. As long as there's breath in this meat sack, that's all we get to do because the work mm-hmm. is about the spiritual but, realm, especially as a person who is Yoruba. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe like in my culture, yeah. we believe in reincarnation. We believe that people come back. We truly believe in this. And most Eastern religions do. Most Eastern religions have this belief and this idea that we are merely spirit entities. So if you start focusing on that, how much more pleasure could you derive out of your existence versus pressure? Pressure. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a big mind shift and it takes it- practice takes time it takes, it takes time. practice it takes time it's it takes it takes um, us having these type yes. of conversations right and really exactly. blowing it open and saying you don't have to 
stay in that space of feeling, you know, irrelevant, of feeling, you know, very small, of feeling abused in all aspects, yeah. whether it is in the corporate world, yeah. um, in just how the system is built, whether Girl. it's the way our men love us, um, yeah. you know, relationships like you don't you know. have to my sisters you really yeah. don't and it doesn't mean right. that you are fixed right as you just said it means that every day you choose to love yourself you a little bit more so you said it you don't accept you said it because that's the radical act how would your life look yes if you loved yourself the same way you love others what mm. would your life mm. look like? Turn that mirror around. If you loved on yourself yes. the way you love yes. others, what would that, what would your life be if that was the way you moved yes. through it every day? It's very radical. That is the radical act. And you will face a ton of resistance because you are re-establishing boundaries with everybody. And everything in the world. Scary. Even are for, scary for people. It's very scary. Yes. It's very scary for people. But that's the only way that you yeah. can show someone Girl, how yeah. to love you. Yes. You can show white America yes. how to love you. They get it. And in and, and until you know, it, our time is coming up right now. So um, okay. let's uh, connect again. This, um, this will, this is a continuation podcast listeners. So um, Adiola, Adiola and myself will be right back. Fantastic. So, so here we are again, guys, Adiola is back and myself. So um, yes, Adiola, just continue about Miriam, her work and yeah, drop name as many healers <laughs> that you're familiar with. <laughs> Uh, because yeah. this is a healing um, for Black women. I, that's my whole purpose, right? Share your, exactly. truth, your truth. And um, let's talk about how to heal. Amen. So Miriam definitely introduced me to um, breathwork. So she came by my apartment uh, in D.C. And we actually had a, she's, she's a breath worker. She's a Reiki um, healer. She's also an Akashic records practitioner, which is a whole nother modality um, of healing. So again, I was ready for healing and I, I did them all. (laughs) I did all of the things that she prescribed and, um, she definitely has been an amazing gateway for me to be able to navigate my own healing. And that is what has been most profound um, in knowing her. Um, Cause she's an all of the above type of person in terms of finding what works for you. And for me, where I started, which was so difficult for me, like the messages that she was getting for me was really about rest. Mm. Like we would have, um, we would have these uh, Reiki sessions, and and they can be done virtually, guys. Like you know, technology I know. is we wonderful. Do. 
Not the Reiki, but I certainly did the breath work with her. Yes, um, breath work. Remember, that yes. was Bre- so amazing. Breath work is something that I use every day. Because again, like I said, for me, it is a way of regrounding myself and self-soothing. So mm-hmm. I use it every day. I do it when people don't even know I'm doing it. I use it as a way to calm myself. I use it as a way to um, bring myself back into my body and out of my head. Yes. I don't know how I can describe that other than that way. Um, When I'm feeling especially worried, anxious, um, on edge, I do breath work. Um, So breath work is to me like what yoga has become to me. I was very good, but deep into yoga years and years ago. And I walked away from it because I was using it really more as a physical modification practice. And that is not what yoga is about. No. So in this, in this time, I am rediscovering yoga. And because I was using it, sorry to go back. So because I was using yoga as a very physical transformation, like I wanted to lose weight and, you know, be more flexible and whatnot. Um, because I was using it that way, when I became heavier, when I gained some weight, I walked away from it. You know, because again, racism will have you thinking that yoga was created by thin white women. So, yes, need Talk I say about, more? That's a whole nother podcast. Exactly, right? right? So, need I say more? So, when you don't see your body represented yeah. in that space, you therefore don't partake in it and therefore you don't reap the benefits of it. So I've gone back to yoga. And again, in all things nowadays, I seek out faces and bodies that look like me. So important. And that exactly. And that also occupy spaces that I don't occupy. So trans women's bodies, Mm. queer women's bodies, Yes. I want to follow them because I am a believer that the least of us will lead us out to freedom. Amen. We're not going to be led to freedom by the richest, most famous black woman. I well, black man. I hate to say it. That's a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. We're going to be led to freedom by the person who was least desired and most oppressed in our midst. Well- well, I mean, if you if you want to even quote it biblically, and maybe I'm not even saying it right, but didn't the Bible say the meek shall inherit the earth? Girl, you know it. So, I just hello. got tingles because it's true. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was a carpenter's son born in a manger. So black man, let's not forget about a it. Black man. Exactly. So let us not <laughs> think <laughs> that somehow we're going to be led to freedom and prosperity by those on the top. It won't. Like According the Bible to the says, Bible. According to the Bible, a black man, but hey, could be a sister too. Could be, girl, (laughs) could be a sister too. Yeah. So anyway, I I really have been very intentional and conscious in who I seek out to be uh, shepherded, shepherded through my journey to healing. Because I think that's super important. (laughs) I think it's super important. I'm sure there are many, many very good Caucasian um, practitioners out there. Of course. I uh, would love to be trained by an Indian person in yoga um, and people of color and all these other modalities because that's what they are. They're all just tools for us to utilize and bring out 
um, to help us towards healing. So yes. breath work I use almost every day, if every day in some way, shape or form for some duration, shape or form. And that's the other thing we need to, again, break out of these molds that everything has to be sort of like, I need to do yoga for an hour. I need to do breath work for 20. No, you do what you do when you need to do it. It's like a tool. You need to put up a picture. You take out a hammer and nails. You, you do what you do when you need to do it. There are no rules here. So breath work is something I do all the time. Yoga is something I do when my body is ready to do it. Um, and then I also use all these other modalities that Miriam practices like Reiki um, and like the Akashic records, which blew my mind away. Um, I am a big believer again, as a Yoruba person, I'm a big believer that our ancestors are here with us. Both my parents have also passed on, so I am a big believer that they are helping me and I can call upon them for assistance. And I believe that people who are Black and live in Black bodies need to understand that, um, again, we are divine and we have helpers. And, you know, our helpers are closer than we think that they are. So we should call upon them, our benevolent helpers. Because if you, you know, if you are a descendant of enslaved peoples, you also have some malevolent ancestors. Remember? Yes, that. yes. You know, it's funny that you you mentioned that, and I don't know if I share this with you um, when we had our connection. Um, it, 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 let's see, was it like a year ago? A year ago, I started. I, I got this feeling mm -hmm. like I wasn't. Um, acknowledging my ancestors mm. as much as I should. Mm -hmm. And I, even, you know, most recent, like my, my grandparents yeah. and just wanting to um, stop. Cause I have a fear. I have a fear of like um, the darkness of like, you know, um, ghosts. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of better. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And it's spirit. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, it was a year ago that I, uh, I want to say, I want to go back even further, it's at least two, three years ago, because I remember going to um, an Indian, um, Native American, I should say. Um, it, it's called Healing, Healing Turtle Island. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how else to really get deep into it, mm -hmm. but I'll just leave it at that. And I actually would love the person, uh, Sherry Mitchell, yeah. who, who started um, Healing Turtle Island to at some point maybe one day yeah. be on this podcast Amen. she is amazingly powerful and um she talks about just healing yeah. you know and um healing the spirit healing your soul yeah. healing just healing yep. in general and um it was after that um experience we we're on a native american land in maine I can't say the, the name of the um, city because I just can't pronounce it. Um, and uh, it was great. We were, you know, in open land, sleeping out there and around bonfire and just really connecting and releasing that, that, that hurt, that pain. Amazing. And it allowed me to really look at why I'm fearful. Yes. Um, yes. The spirit. Yes. Right? And, um, and so yeah, I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to incorporate my, or welcome yes. say, my grandparents yes. in, in, in my, in my walk yes. Snaps. on my dresser. 
Um, I have all my my stones around Amazing. them. I burn incense. I buy, buy flowers for them. That's and, the, that's the business. Yeah. Really, in the morning, I I thank them. I thank them at night. Oh, that's and amazing. I just, yeah, I just want to be able to um, allow myself to really embrace that side, that spiritual side. That's amazing. You know, because that's it's all about healing, and that's part of healing because they are now allowing, or you're now in a place to sort of uh, not make the same mistakes yes they may have made and they're helping you through that journey yes if that makes sense absolutely that's how I feel that you know it's just like I know my grandmother probably wanted to do different things mm-hmm. but how can I mm-hmm. be that black immigrant mm-hmm. woman you know doing the things that she wanted to do yes you know yes. and 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 so I'm holding space for them. Amazing. I am welcoming them in my journey. Amazing. So they can guide me. Yes. You know? So so yeah. Yes, that's that's amazing. I'm so glad I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad that you did that too. That's amazing. That's very important. Because that's exactly what I had to do. Like after I um had worked with Miriam for a little bit of time, uh she had talked about going to Tulum, Mexico. Um and that that was a very uh sort of watershed moment for her in her journey. And I was like, I got to go to Tulum. And she actually put me in touch with her, um, a shaman uh, in in Tulum. And Tulum is, Tulum is a very special place. Um, It's, you know, it's ancient uh, Aztec land, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so very spiritual, very potently spiritual place. So I didn't get in touch with her specific shaman, but they, anyway, I got in touch with this wonderful, um, um, uh, like, uh, organization there and I went during very low season. So it was great. I was like the only person in Tulum, it felt like, and I was able to connect with these amazing people. Wow. And I had a, um, a uh, I cannot remember the name of it now, but I had basically a shamanic ceremony, almost like a hot house ceremony where you're in this little hut with a ton of people. It's hotter than anything you can ever imagine. And you're being led through these different portals, basically these spiritual portals. And it's just, oh God, it was so healing for me that ceremony um and I literally came back from Tulum having lost nine pounds I did yoga every day I was getting these massages every day I mean just loving on just yourself loving on myself and I was all by myself again yeah so I'd gone away so the dope. year before and it was almost like a year to the day when I went to Tulum a year after so this was like year okay. two so you know, it was just, again, giving myself permission to be quote unquote indulgent, self-indulgent, something that I would have been loath to do before, you know, I would never have done that before. And, um, you know, and I also had to think about like the cost and the money and 
I had to piece it all together. Things I never used to be consciously doing before. And I think that was the main difference. It's like I was moving with such purpose through my own life versus moving like a ghost. You know, before I was just like, just, I wasn't even present. You know, I was yes. going to all these places and traveling with my husband and doing all this stuff, but I wasn't, you know, I look back on pictures of those times now and I just didn't look happy. I wasn't happy. I don't remember some of the things that happened because I just wasn't present. But that trip to Tulum especially was sort of like, a, was a watershed moment for me as well. It was great. So yeah. through Miriam, and I so also found um, another wonderful um, uh, yoga um, her her main um, um, sort of training is in yoga. Um, her name is Sinikiwe Diawalo, and um, she has a a an organization called Naya Wellness, and she really focuses on accessibility of yoga specifically to with black bodies, you know, with black bodies. Mm. Um, so uh, Miriam's organization, Miriam's uh, company is called uh, Indagba and um, Dive In Well. And, you know, again, their focus, their work surrounds helping to elevate and give accessibility to all of these healing modalities to Black bodies. That is what they're all about. And I want to say also, Ariola, that this doesn't have to cost uh, of not at all doesn't have to cost um much and so or if any at all i know yeah. uh, miriam has this you know sort of like if someone who's a afford being is able to afford yeah. it perhaps they can do a donation Absolutely. for someone else who yeah. can't and so i want my sisters to realize that you don't have to spend a lot of money to 100 percent. i'm i'm so glad you said that because place. cost yeah. is a real barrier <laughs> Yes, absolutely. You know, that is not real. That is a very important thing that you brought up because the way both of their companies, both Miriam and Sinekiwe's companies operate is under this idea that our so-called white allies should be in service to us, Black, Indigenous, people of color, to help us access these modalities that have come very easy to them and that are from people who look like us. Like all of these shamanic experiences come from the indigenous world, come from India, come from Africa, honestly. These are things that, you know, a lot of these things are colonial, it was what colonialism has beat out of us. And that's another part of my journey as well is reclaiming that, is reclaiming that legacy. But yeah, so Sinikiwe is really, um, is amazing. And uh, both of them have held such wonderful salons and conversations about all of the myriad um, struggles that, you know, Black bodies are contending with, especially in these times, especially in these times when institutionalized racism has our outcomes disparately worse than, you know, people of... um, other races, particularly white races. Um, and then the, 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 the last person who I'll name check or the last group who I'll, I'll name check are the woke mix, mix, mystics. Say that again, the woke, Say the, that woke again. <laughs> the woke mystics with an X. 
Um, All right. And they have a podcast. And um, one of them, whose name I cannot remember right now, forgive me, they're a duo, a black woman duo. And um, they have just great education around um, tarot and astrology and all of these things. Oh, nice. I'm all about that. That's great. You know, I'm checking these people out. I know about Miriam, but the other two I'll be checking out. And, you know, if you could just speak on, like, uh, maybe website for each. um, let me let me look up the woke mystics right now. Yeah, so the woke mystics, um, Ellen and Imani, and I had a reading with Ellen, and uh, for, uh, on my birthday this year, and um, they actually have a new book coming out in March of 2021 called Astrology SOS, and again the woke mis- mystic mystics. Sorry, W O K E. That's okay. Uh, Mystics, M-Y-S-T-I-X. So they have a podcast um, and they have a book coming out in March of next year. And I have done a tarot reading with Ellen specifically. It's Ellen and Imani. And amazing, amazing. I'm getting more and more into tarot. I actually have a tarot deck on order that I'm waiting for. And I'm getting very excited about that. I am someone I now know that I need sort of like daily, not affirmation, but I definitely need like daily um, motivation, I'll call it. So tarot is becoming, I think, an avenue that I'm definitely going to be exploring more and more. Um, Because just like um, the breath work, it just helps sort of center me. And it helps me to get um, sort of clear on what I want to achieve in the day or what I want to practice more in the day. Like I wake up every day, I set an intention. All of these things do not have to take a lot of time because I think people feel like they have to have like a lot of structure around their process. And I think all of that, all at least to me, somebody who suffers with anxiety, for me, that just creates a lot of pressure, which creates a lot of anxiety. Because now that I'm like, okay, and I'm just substituting one amount of anxiety for another amount. For another. I get that because I also uh, suffer from anxiety. And and so, yeah, I have to to remind myself, you know, lay. Yeah, like be easy on yourself. Be kind to yourself. Just be easy. Just be easy to yourself. Like, you know, treat yourself like, you know, a baby girl. Like treat yourself like the little Mm -hmm. Simone and the little Adiola that's inside. Would you be berating her if she didn't wake up every morning and did meditation for 20 minutes? Like you only like you wouldn't treat her like that. No, they would call um what's what do you call it? Like seriously, your child. Treat yourself like the child that you are, because you are still that child. Yeah. Treat yourself that way. I am definitely somebody, I think if you're a type A personality, which I think you are, and I am too, that you tend to be very like, you know, you gotta do this, 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 and if you did 50 so of the hard. 100 things that yes. you or the 50 you only did 49 of the 50 things you said you were going to do today so you're a horrible person mm-hmm. like stop that and and you beat yeah, yourself up we like have to stop that shit we have like, to stop that i know my girlfriends sometimes they're like uh have a shut up yeah it's like you got to you got to like, stop, stop that it. stuff because it's not yeah it just it just depletes you and it just doesn't get you back yeah. up so for me i wake up i you know i just ask my ancestors and my spirit guides to just, you know, help me with one thing in the day or just I give thanks to them 
or just I just give thanks to them. Like it doesn't have to, every day doesn't have to be about I gotta accomplish this today. Sometimes it's just like, you know, whatever, whatever message or lesson you want me to learn today, you know, just clear my path to learn it. Or thank you for, you know, helping me wake up today with a clear head. I had a headache when I went to sleep last night and today I wake up without one. So thank you for that. Whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I also have um, mala beads, which again, for me, somebody who suffers with anxiety, it's, it's, it's helpful for me to have something tactile in my hand um, to just sort of ground me. Um, the mala beads also help me with my meditation because meditation is not easy for me. My mind wanders. So they just sort of ground me as I'm touching each bead and I'm saying my intention. They just help me get sort of very grounded. Um, and I'm talking a lot about grounding activities because... I think as black women, we suffer from a lot of, like if we're doing very well in our careers and in parts of our lives, sometimes we suffer from, I'll speak at least for myself. I used, I suffered a lot from imposter syndrome and I still do. Like I'm Me too. Very, Me too. I'm very, and I'm also very like not um, sort of accepting of good things when they happen to me. Oh, like wow. I'm always like something bad Girl. gonna happen because something good is. <laughs> yes, yes, it's exactly. But but you, I mean, whatever. It's it, it's not unique in 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 um as far as yes. people are concerned with that yes. imposter syndrome, right? But there is a particular yes. race. Yes. Yes. The black race and or you know yes. minorities just that have like when you feel like something good is happening or you have sort of elevate yourself from the the what's considered exactly. normal you start to feel yes. unworthy yeah you shouldn't yeah. be there you know and and so yeah that that all of that brings on anxiety 100%. and causes us not to really show the type yeah, of love and you that can't, we you can't even you ourselves. just can't enjoy the fruits of your own labor no so you work no, so hard to get these all. things and then you finally get them and then you're worried about losing them so it's like the cycle of just fear all the time yes. and fear the time. and trauma robs you of imagination because when you are afraid and you are scared and you are anxious, you cannot think of anything else. <laughs> That's all you're no. in, and and it and it and it, it fucks with your health. It, it fucks with your it physical drives, health. I mean, it's physiological. It literally drives your cortisol levels through the roof, which is the stress hormone. Yeah, absolutely. Can't have you a sure baby can't. I mean, your body your stress level. And you know, ill at ease. Yeah. So your yes. bodily functions are not performing at the optimal levels. Like this stuff is real. And no. I don't think, um, and I think that's the beauty of what you're doing is that I don't think there's enough sort of connectivity between all of these um, characteristics and uh, consequences of Absolutely. external stressors Absolutely. and how those external stressors manifest themselves physically and mentally. Again, I said earlier that I'm an all above type of a person, you know, so mm -hmm. I also, which is critically important to talk about, I am also in therapy because it is important for me. It is talk important about it. for I me that therapy to, thing. to talk so to a professional. 
just like I went to a professional when I was feeling physically ill and I got diagnosed with my physical health problems. I went to a professional mm -hmm. to help me with my mental health problems. And we need to be able to talk about that in tandem with one another. And it was not easy for me to get to a point where it was like, okay, I need to go to therapy. But I did not see any other way because my goal was to heal. And I was going to be as radical yes. with my healing as I am as radical with when I am looking for the perfect sofa to buy. Exactly. <laughs> Or, or the, the perfect, perfect outfit, outfit to, wear. to wear or the perfect hotel that I'm going yes. to stay at. I am going yes. to put as much, perfect if not vacation. more care into my physical, spiritual, emotional health as I am going to for all of my yes. other needs and wants as a human being. To me, there is no, yes. there's no daylight between that. And there's no, um, sorry for the noise. There is no, um, Oh, good. I don't okay. hear anything. So um, that's fine. <laughs> All I hear is my dog snoring um, beside me. <laughs> so there's to me, there's no daylight between the two. And I know this is very difficult, very difficult for anybody. Like, you know, deciding to go get um therapy, mental health, um work um is very difficult. And I understand it. And I am somebody who was very uncomfortable with even doing it myself. Um, and I think every day my friend who definitely got me on the path because when she sort of let it slip that, and she wasn't even letting it slip. She was just being very candid actually. But when I realized that she was in therapy and she seemed to be the most well-adjusted person I knew, which duh, <laughs> that's what therapy will do. <laughs> it will have people thinking that you're really yes. well-adjusted because you go to therapy, see how that works. Um, when she just said that, I was like, oh my God. Well, I got to do this too. And even for the first six months, I, I was like, you know, I was probably the worst patient. But um, eventually I started to open up and I, I, I have been so fortunate to have really good therapists. Um, and again, same thing. All of these uh, people that I am name dropping are black, primarily women. <laughs> because it has become super important to me to receive healing from my fellow sisters. It's so important to me. Yes. I mean, that's why I love this podcast. That's why I love the name of the podcast alone, because I do believe that we are our sister's keeper. We are there to help one another. You know, again, as a Yoruba woman, I have always been taught the community is as important as myself. You know, there's an African proverb, I'm not sure from which tribe, but it basically says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, mm. go together. Wow. And that is what we are as Black people. Wow. That, is, that is going to be what saves us as Black people, is when we realize mm. that only community will lead us to freedom. Only this individual bullshit about capitalism and this individualistic society, that is not mm -hmm. the kind of people we are. Look back at our communities. Look, go to Africa. Every single community mm -hmm. is a community. People don't go out on their own. Yeah. 
people go with each other to and do that, things and get things published. And and I would say that's the same for the islands. That was my experience right? in yeah. Jamaica. Um, we were, you know, together. Anything happened in the neighborhood, we were always looking out for each other. I remember as a child, whenever there was a hurricane, if you eat, everybody eat. Like there, we yeah. we took care of each other in 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 Jamaica yeah. in 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 the hood, and um, that's one of the things that I miss so much. And I've always said that if I have, when I have, not if, when the opportunity comes and it will, I am ready to move back home and help to build that. Because that's what we need. I mean, to reinforce that community, I should say, because it's there. Um, I think uh, what's different a lot of times, and I can speak for the island, I can speak for Jamaica, is that. Yeah, capitalism. So now we have cable. Now we're able to see the this, you know, yeah. crap that happens around the world. And then we no longer recognize yeah. that we have and that children. we have everything you know. Need. Exactly. We already yes. have everything. And we don't need, need to be we don't need to be we don't yeah. need other people's things. Yeah. And we don't need to be envious and jealous yeah. of what others have. But you know, it's it's hard when you're now being, you know, yeah. blasted with yeah. what's happening elsewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's how no, you're absolutely about. right. You and know? I think, you know, that is sort of like the third, the third prong of my of my process is a reclamation mm-hmm. of the very traditions and ways of being that I've always had. You know, I remember when I was yeah. coming to this country, um, <clears throat> excuse me, my, um, my parents were divorced and my mother was a diplomat. And that's the reason why we came here because she was being posted to America. And my father was um, vehemently opposed to us coming to America. Um, so even though we'd been born and lived in England for a very long time, um, I'd only lived in Nigeria for a very short time. Um, but my father was sort of adamant that we learn about, um, our culture. He was very worried us being born and being living in England, that we weren't going to know who we were. We didn't speak our language. So he kind of just like yanked us out of England, took us to Nigeria. And, um, within like a three year period, I was speaking Yoruba. My brother doesn't speak it. He understands though. Um, we're going to, you know, Nigerian schools and all of that, like full immersion, full immersion, um, yes. unwanted at the time, very not happy at the time. Um, so when my mother uh, was being posted to America, she was like, well, you know, let me bring the kids because, you know, better schooling system, blah, blah, blah. And my father was deeply opposed to it. And I remember him saying, and this sticks with me now today, and it's so funny because my father has since long passed away. But he said, he's like, you know what? They're going to lose themselves. They're going to forget who they are. And I, wow. I see that <laughs> as true. It was prophetic because as successful as my parents were, they were from the generation of colonial Nigeria where yeah. everything that was Nigerian was ripped from them. And then this new system 
papers put on top of them. Mm-hmm. And then they had to ask for their freedom. And when they got it, and Jamaica yes. has a very similar story. And when they got it, the colonial, the colonialists took not just the stuff that they had put on top of this existing culture away. They took the existing culture away and left yes. the people yes. with nothing. They didn't leave them with their own culture. They didn't leave them with the colonial culture. So this is why oftentimes I, I get angry when people talk about, well, why can't these countries, these quote unquote, third world derogatory countries get their act together? And why are they yes. so corrupt? <laughs> why wouldn't they be corrupt? We learned it from the colonialists. You, exactly. Why wouldn't you, we? And you didn't leave us with our own stuff. You took our own stuff. You took your stuff. You left yeah. us with nothing. Exactly. And they continue so to why us. wouldn't we? Confused. They continue because they, they, they have exactly. control over us with money. So I, you know, I am so. now in the process of relearning my own history as a Yoruba woman. Yeah. Like I am learning about all of these things that were told to me as being evil. Like you talked about the whole, like, you know, what Christianity will have you believing is that there is no space and there is no room for spirituality in your Christianity. That there is no space and there is no room for you to call on your ancestors because that is voodoo or That's voodoo, that's evil. And I come from a culture where it's like, that was our culture. Our literal names hearken to our ancestors. In my culture, if a child is born, after the death, if a female child, for instance, is born after the death of a grandmother or grandfather, you call that girl child Yetunde or Yewande, which means mother returns. Literally. Mm. That is the picture. Wow, I'm getting I'm getting chills right now because it's so funny. Like this exact like where does the spirit because go? Because we believe yes. that it's not just blood that runs through our, and which is the crazy thing. Like we're so good about saying, okay, no. well, your blood runs through my veins, da, 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 da. But for some reason, the spirit doesn't, I can't call on the spirit. Mm-hmm. So there's just no. these no. No. things of being wow. that we as people from the African continent have been consciously stripped of. My girlfriend texted me yesterday, another story. The story of twins in Yoruba culture if there are twins, twins have specific names. The twin that is born first is called Taiwo. But in mm-hmm. mythology, in Yoruba mythology, Taiwo is actually the younger twin. I'll explain it to you. So oh, the wow. myth of twins says that Taiwo is actually the younger twin. Kainde, which is the name of the second twin, is the older twin. Kainde is the one who is supposedly wiser and more uh, tentative because in mythology, Kainde looks out and says, I'm not ready to come out into the world yet. Taiwo, my emissary, go out first. So Taiwo becomes born first. Mm. Taiwo is the adventurous one. Taiwo is the one that takes risks. Kainde is the contemplative one. Kainde is the one who is older and wiser. 
So their names literally mean Taiwo, first to taste the world. Kende means second to arrive. But in mythology, Kende is older Ooh. and wiser. And my, I have twin cousins, and their personalities are exactly like this. Yesterday, my, my girlfriend who has twins calls me, and she says, I'm reading the Bible today, and there's a story in the book of something or another, which basically is the same story of twins in Yoruba land. In the Bible. Yoruba tradition predates mm. Christianity. So where did they get that oh, from? Wow. Which is what I keep arguing for now too, which is like, where do you think these things yeah. that are in the Bible, the Quran, the, the whatever are, are from? Africans are the first peoples. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now, girl, we're going to have to talk about this. Um, exactly. In another podcast, on another podcast, because I know that. One of the things that you were um, getting to or starting to do is to, you yes. know, have that reconnection with yes. your with mother, you know, motherland. And um, and and I would love to talk about that because it's something that I've been wanting to do myself. And I think it's a, a great um, I don't know. I think it's a great topic. Um, you have some beautiful insight. I love you. Um, it, and so you have some beautiful insight. And I just think um, this would be so amazing if we could actually just have, and it would be great if we can oh, maybe absolutely. have someone else on the podcast, you know, with you um, just going over this or, you know, talking yeah. about how we can reconnect yeah. um, with, with yes. Mother Africa, yes, I which we're all from, yes. right? Um, black women, black people. Um, and so, yes, Adiola, this was so helpful. Thank you so much. I thank you for taking the time to share your experience with us, you know, providing love and support to other Black women while we bring yeah. this issue to light, of course, um, because um, I think I've, I've said this so many times. I don't know if I've shared this with you. I really believe America will always mm. be in this race turmoil until she acknowledges the pain she so continues too. to afflict on minorities. Absolutely. And so, you know, My thank pleasure. you again, Adiola. I hope you feel like you've done, um, I don't know, an amazing job. Like, I was at the, oh. the, the verge of tears um, so many times. There's so many, oh, wow. you know, just chills on my body. Um, and I'm hoping the listeners feel the same way. Um, I want to thank the listeners and I appeal to my Caucasian allies. I have a lot amazing women to share mm -hmm. this podcast with their peers. Um, so yes, until the next, until next time, um, please be kind to each other mm -hmm. and be kind to black mm -hmm. women, the ones in your life, whether they're near mm -hmm. to you or far thank away. You, Simone. 